It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome when we live in our dreams. It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Hello, Bengals fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Everything is awesome in Bengals land, as our intro alluded to. But before we get into the free agent news in Paul Brown Stadium, a quick reminder to tell your smart device to listen to podcasts Locked on Bengals during your daily commute, your gym workout, whatever it is. Get us on your smart device. Get us in your ears. We'll keep you company. We'll talk to you about the awesome, amazing, incredible things happening in Cincinnati and free agency as we head toward the draft. And a very exciting 2019 for the Cincinnati Bengals featuring fan favorites Bobby Hart, who's back on a three-year up to $21 million deal, maybe more realistically coming in around $16 million over those three years. Another three years for Preston Brown, the durable linebacker who missed time with an ankle injury in 2018. And probably more of the same from young, uh, undrafted guy, up-and-comer, Alex Redmond at right guard. No, and- don't do that. Don't, why are you doing that? <laughs> You're gonna make, people are going to look at it on Twitter and say, what, they signed Alex Redmond? Well, they, they did keep him as, his, as an exclusive rights-free agent. And CJ Uzama was extended. The one move that I think Joe and I feel good about so yeah. far is CJ Uzama on a $6 million average annual value for three years. He's maybe going to be the starter or, a, yeah, you know, or a transition guy. If they draft a tight end, if Eifert comes back and he's limited again, they keep him on a snap count. Uh, worth noting on that note that uh, talks are ongoing. I think with Tyler Eifert, there's interest from the Bengals reportedly. Uh, and also, they seem interested in Dark West and Art. We haven't heard much about either, except for that the beat writers say they want to keep him. I think they're week two guys anyways, maybe late week one. Um, just in, just by the way, it seems the corner market has been in free agency, which is really hasn't been one at all. There's been a couple guys that have signed nickel guys too, Steven Nelson, and who is the other one, Justin Lane, or am I incorrect on the name there? Uh, anyways. Coleman. Yes, ju- thank you. And then... Point being that I think it'll be still a few days for Denard to pick up because I think he ranks definitely lower than a few of the guys that are on the list. Uh, for Eifer, it's probably similar to, similar to last year where he wasn't until uh, the end of week one where we found out that there was even any interest in the Bengals and, and Eifer getting together and that deal happened. Uh, but, to, you know, 
obviously the subject today is what the Bengals have done. And it's, I think it's really, it's hard to come to words and to really just jump on this because you got so many thoughts of what is going on. What is the goal? Was anybody else bidding for Preston Brown or Bobby Hart? Because no. he can't believe, I know, just no one claimed Bobby Hart last year. And it's not like he set the world on fire. He went through waivers and he cost a million dollars for the Bengals. So he was real cheap last year for them. But so now he potentially has a $7 million, 7.4, I believe, cap it year one. Year one Jeez. cap hit is five point four million. Year one okay. cash spend is seven point four million. The cap hit okay. maxes out in year three at five point nine million dollars with a one million dollar dead cap. So, if the Bengals happen to draft a tackle and get out of the deal when they realize the error of their ways, any cut that might happen is probably in two years. And we'll talk yep. about this because. The some of you on Twitter have been in the mention saying, you know, only one year is guaranteed. And they can get out of the deal if, you know, this keeps them open in the draft. And then you look and you see some of the other deals that offensive linemen are signing in the NFL for similar money. And it's just, ugh. this yeah. is Bobby Hart we're talking about. This is a guy who came in for a million dollars, which for for what he did, that is probably pretty close to fair value for Bobby Hart. You could draft a guy in the fifth round and he's going to give you similar to what Bobby Hart gave you. Yes. And, and that's the problem, right? Because they could they could get a Bobby Hart in the fourth, fifth round this year and get similar production at right tackle with this upside. year. With upside. Right. It's been four years of Hart. For, this is, yeah, it's, is this his fourth year or going into his fifth year? Well, you know what Bobby Hart is at this point. There's a reason that no one has had any interest in him. Uh, and, and there's been opportunities for him to sign elsewhere. Uh, so, and yes, he is 24. He'll be 25 this year. So there is some youth to his side. But we're not talking about somebody that was a former first-round, second-round pick. It's not. He doesn't have the pedigree where there's still some presumed upside that has to be tapped with a new coach now going on, I mean, from the Giants to the, to the Bengals to now a new Bengals staff. It's mm-hmm. which coach is finally going to unlock him. It's not, it's, it's not going to happen, guys. Jim it, Turner. Right. As somebody said, Jim Turner is going to bully him into being a good player, and I love that. And but yes, it's not likely. And I knew that guy was joking. Also, yeah, uh, my Jim point. Turner. Yeah, my my point is, um, it. I can't believe that, and I'm going to look at it from the impact of how moving forward, and especially with the draft. The draft is where the Bengals have always acquired their talent, and and it, it's obvious that's going to continue. There is no change in their free agency practices and policies and direction that we hoped would be the case there is no change in fact some of these deals look worse than i ever believed that they that they've done in the past especially when you get two of them back to back like this uh but how does it impact the draft and when you're giving bobby hart this much money and 7.4 million cash in 2019 i'm sorry but i don't think that means you draft a tackle and start him at number 11 you definitely don't start him at tackle you may draft him and play him at guard i think that would be an option uh, but at the same time, you also gave Trey Hopkins $3 million to back up or potentially start at one of these positions. I think we may be out of the running at, of offensive line at 11 now, and maybe that means a developmental guy in, on day two in second or third round. But what that also means is that there's no help coming to this offensive line that was terrible last year. In fact, they probably got a worse coach. The help is going to come in a new offensive system, and I 
you're still trotting out their bad players. This is scary. If you can tell, I'm struggling to say this because we thought some form of help would come and at the very least could be the 11th pick in the draft could come in and start. And even, we've been in mock draft Mondays where we get to it and we're doing these mocks and we get we don't take an O-lineman in the first round. We take one in the second or third and we plan on starting them. There is no path for starting unless it's at right guard. And we've yeah. seen how the Bengals have treated right guard recently. I don't expect them to invest highly in that position. So so what this could mean, though, if if I want to find a silver lining or some sort of optimistic outlook, is this could mean that they see Jonah Williams or Cody, Cody Ford, Ford or Dalton as, Reisner. As, as guard to tackle prospects in the Andrew Whitworth mold, and they want yep. to bring these guys in starting year one, especially maybe year two at guard, because for whatever reason, they trust Jim Turner's assessment of, of what I assumed was coach speak, but I guess not because this is the first guy that they go, second guy that they go out and re-sign. Uh, you know, Jim Turner seems to, to love, absolutely love Bobby Hart. And so, you know, this now he gets to lay in the bed that he's made for himself. And maybe this means, like I said, maybe this means they go out. Maybe they like Cody Ford. That's Jim Turner's kind of guy, right. as has been said. And they think that he can play right tackle with a little bit of NFL coaching, with a little bit of seasoning. Right. He starts off at guard. So this is your five. Uh, at the very least would be Cordy Glein, Clint Bowling, Billy Price, Cody Ford, or insert Jonah Williams, whoever you want at that spot. Uh, and then Bobby Hart at right tackle. That's a possible the, world. That is a possible world. And it's an upgrade to the offensive line, because in my opinion, I, I think that would be a, a strong upgrade at right guard. I think that would hurt a lot of us that maybe thought they could get better at center and move Price to right guard or start Christian Westerman potentially at guard, start Trey Hopkins at center and move Price to, to guard. Uh, that would eliminate that. But it's a fair trade-off to, uh, to insert uh, 11th overall prospect in your offensive line. So I could get behind that and I can get behind that idea and say, well, at least maybe four out of the five guys could be good. Now, if Price continues to struggle, if that rookie plays like a rookie at right guard and and Hart is who he is at right tackle, well, then Andy Dalton's running for his life again, and this offense is going to struggle because of it. So in my opinion, you're still pushing the can down the the road a little bit, still kicking it down the road of saying, well, this O-line won't really be fixed until 2020 or 2021. And they made that decision. They, you know, this didn't have to happen. They chose to push this down the, down the line a little bit. And that's scary. Yep. So let's stop talking about Bobby Hart. Uh, Similar deal, probably coming out soon. Once we get the details for Preston Brown, it's reported three years up to 21 million, the same way the Bobby Hart seal was reported three years up to 21 million. I would assume it's very, very similar in structure. I would too. I would guess that both of these have potential outs for the Bengals in year two, year three. Yep. I think that re-signing Preston Brown means a lot less for the draft than does extending Bobby Hart. It is worth noting at this point, though, if if Preston Brown's cap figure is similar to Bobby Hart's for this year, they're down to about $30 million against the cap. And Vontaze Burfecht is still on the roster. Right. So and, so we and we haven't heard anything about that. And they put their own self-imposed cap on them about how much they want to spend. So probably like ten million left. Right. So that means either or for Eifert or Denard. Yeah. 
Or it could possibly mean they have offers for like five, five and a half million for both of those guys, which is what Eifert had last year, and which is what I could see them considering fair value for Denard. Um, or it could mean we're extending Tyler Boyd and AJ Green, and we have no more money to give out. Well, I think when they do that, they kind of now I, I don't want to I don't want to speak for a franchise that seems to have no idea how to operate the cap, but it, it, I always took that as that's what they'll spend on free agency, and then they'll extend because. Their self-imposed cap is nowhere near how much money they should actually have to spend. When you see it on on Bengals.com, they say $10 million for draft picks. Their draft picks aren't even going to cost like $3 million in terms of what they're going to offset veterans. It'll be $8 million. Yeah, but I, they, I looked at it. It's $8 million for this year. For all 11 picks, you're, yeah. you're offsetting 11 players that are already on the roster, potentially making more money too. Potentially, so, yeah. Yeah, so you end up really only spending maybe – Three to five million more, depending on who gets cut and who makes the roster. But, but point like, being, if you look at who they might cut, it's it's so in their defense again here. Not that I want to do this too much in this podcast, but if you look at who they're going to cut, it's like Vontez Perfect, Clint Bowling, like well, may, even, maybe Drake Kirkpatrick. There aren't very well, very even attractive a, cuts. A third round guy in year three of his deal versus a third round rookie is going to make more money. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So you, even sure. if you cut one for one, you're going to still it's it's a it's a it's a net gain still in in terms of cap space. So who's that. an example there? Besides like, that, uh, Christian Let's Westerman, Josh Malone, Malone. Okay, Malone. There's a three hundred thousand dollar dead cap hit, and he's making eight hundred. So that saves you five hundred thousand. So right. yeah, that that probably actually you know what that works out to be. Yeah, a wash. About that that takes that player away. Yeah. So okay. when they when they're saying, well, we got to pay for the pay for this fourth round pick. No, you don't, because you're probably going to cut someone that's similar in in, in money. So sure. Um, my point is they've got way more money, and the, I think you agree with that. Anyone oh, yeah. who understands this cap, they have way more money than the they. The cap have. is a myth. It is a myth. First of all, we've talked about that on the last podcast. If you if you should listen to that. If we broke down really cash versus cap and why the Bengals look like they're so far behind of every other team. There might as well not be a salary cap, to be honest. Right. So go back to Preston Brown for a second. And, uh, well, I like Preston Brown for who he is. I think he's a good downhill run stuffer. I think he's got a great personality and mind. Someone I would want to really take over the leadership of that linebacker group from Vontaze Perfect. Having said that, he is limited. And I know he played almost every snap for the Buffalo Bills, and he was extremely durable for them. And I know he led the league in tackles one year. But when you watch him, he's not overly dynamic in terms of athleticism or in coverage. Uh, I think he can get washed out on run plays. He can get bullied a little bit and when linebackers get on top of him. So what do you really have in him is a one-down middle linebacker run defender. And, yes, he would be better than Hardy Nickerson. Yes, Vincent Ray, whoever you can name. Yes, he probably would be their best linebacker if Vontaze Perfect is off the team. Having said that, if Preston Brown is your best linebacker and your starting middle linebacker, guess what you need? You need a middle linebacker because he is not what's going to take you over the top. He is not the guy that's going to be a special player or a difference maker. He's just a plug kind of guy. But – because their linebacker unit is in such bad shape, they can have Brown start at middle linebacker, still draft Devin White, and play him at weak side. Now, I think Devin Bush is more of a middle. He could play weak also. And I think Devin White is an inside linebacker also. The inside linebacker, it's easier to cover from that spot than it is an outside linebacker. So if you're going to put Devin White at outside linebacker, someone that some people say has already had some coverage issues, same with Devin Bush, people have said, you don't want to put him at weak side linebacker, and all of a sudden now he's got more space to cover and different athletes to cover. You would want him to be inside. So point being, after all of that, 
Preston Brown should not be on the field for 95% of the snaps. He should be out there for 30, 35%, base 4-3, middle linebacker, and then get off the field and nickel, and that's where Devin White or Devin Bush would slide inside, and the other guy would be Nick Vigil probably at, at outside linebacker. So yeah. they're paying him too much if that's the case. If that's the case and the cap hit comes at, even at $5 million, and I could see the cash being this year 7.5, just like it was for Bobby Hart, even at $5 million, it is too much. A three-year uh, commitment is too much, even as, even if it's only $6 million guaranteed. It's too much for that type of role player. They have overvalued one-down linebackers for too long. And I thought it was a Marvin Lewis thing forever, and here we are. I guess it's not. I guess they really are, are grasping at what the value of linebacker and what linebackers should do in 2019. I think the other potential argument here is – they need somebody to put on the field. And yes, they're probably overcommitting if that's the case, but they, I'm sure, feel great about Preston Brown's leadership, the fact that he's a veteran. He has played 99% of snaps for a lot of his career, so they have to feel good about what he brings to the field in terms of just availability. And this is what the Bengals, as others have pointed out, value more than anything else is is availability and familiarity. Russell Bodine, this is Alex Redmond, this is Bobby Hart. And so, all those people that you're listing, too, because people are going to say, and I've already said it, well, they can get out of the deal in two years. They can cut those guys in two years. We've got, and George Iloka has brought up, right, how they cut them two years left Yeah, in we deal. just looked at this, right? So yeah. Ray Maluga, they could have got out of his deal when it was clear to just about everybody watching the Bengals that he wasn't being used right and was just kind of a guy and was being yep. asked to do things he shouldn't be doing. and was essentially what Preston Brown is going to be. Michael but Johnson. In, but instead they decided to pay him $7 million so they could have avoided entirely one yep. year. Michael Johnson's another one who they kept around because of leadership, because of locker room. And he still did something for most of the years they kept him around. He was a very good run defender for most of those years. Uh, didn't need him last year, though. No, they didn't. But they uh, did cut him and they brought him back. So yeah, at the yeah. same rate, True. which is another a gross mismanaged great cat mismanagement moment. Sure. Um, and the, there's the plenty point, more guys. The point here is they don't get out of these deals right. when they, they can get out of Drake or Patrick right now. They can get out of Andy Dalton right now. And a lot of teams would, but the Bengals won't and don't typically just because not it's true in. once out of 10 times doesn't make it true. Nine, yeah. nine times out of ten makes it that they will not get out of this type of deal for Bobby Hart and Preston Brown. Instead, they'll sink their cap and overinflate their cap uh, falsely because they tend to do this where they pay these guys that no one else would pay more than – look at it. Last year, Preston Brown in the open market coming off a year where he led the league in tackles. He may have had a couple other offers out there, but he took a one-year deal from the Cincinnati Bengals. And I know he's from the area. But if you have other good offers, you don't take a one-year, $5 million or whatever it was in that range deal from the Bengals. If you're a leading tackler and you're good and, and the Bills valued you, the Bills let them walk with no questions asked. They didn't care. And they drafted their first-round linebacker. They traded up for the first-round linebacker. This should be what the Bengals are doing. You don't, you don't fill a hole or eliminate a hole – because I would, you would still say linebacker is in need, especially middle linebacker is still in need, even with or without Preston Brown. So that use of money is just a waste, in my opinion, where you could take that money and take what you spent on Bobby Hart and actually fix one of these two positions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Paul Daner Jr. will tell you, and he does tell you, the Bengals aren't cheap because they are among the top 10 in the NFL at cash spending and cap spending every single year. 
And it, it, and maybe that's true, but you ask NFL agents, you ask NFL players, the Bengals are, and this was in Sports Illustrated today, a cheap, poorly run organization. They don't have the money to put up for guaranteed money. And when they do spend the money, they're spending it on the wrong guys. And and we, we can point to a lot of examples of this. We Joe did an interesting Twitter poll, or Twitter poll thread where it was, who's the best free agent that the Bengals have let get away? And who's who's the best that they have kept and retained? And and the list not, of not retained guys they signed. Signed. Okay, yeah, my bad. So the list of guys that they've let get away compared to the guys they've kept, we could do that too. It it ends up looking not great when you when you look at the guys they've kept. Joe, let's talk about some of the other stuff going on in free agency. Any closing remarks here before we move on to the rest of the AFC North in the second half of the show? Because that's a big part of it, right? How we feel is being multiplied by the activity of some of these other teams, and especially the Cleveland Browns. So, no, uh, I still hope the Bengals go out and make a move that would get me excited. And there's still potential for that. The second and third wave, which I think we're starting the second wave now. Some of these contracts are starting to look pretty good. Um, But the second and third wave could still bring in an asset to this team. And I still have hope for that. But at the same time, man, they're not showing any signs of offering that as of right now. So we'll take a quick break. We'll let everybody catch a breath and then we'll talk about, well, Cleveland, Cleveland Browns are looking yeah. <laughs> pretty scary for the next few years. So we'll talk about that and the Steelers and the Ravens too. And maybe some weird behavior from AFC North teams after a quick break. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. It has been a crazy couple days before free agency in the AFC North. Le'Veon Bell still isn't signed. Antonio Brown is in Oakland. Odell Beckham Jr. is now reportedly in Cleveland. And I think I've seen reports that to replace, uh, what's his name? Jabril Peppers. Peppers. Yeah. Expect Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. Yeah. So they, they trade a first round, a second round pick. They trade first and third. First. I thought it was first and second. No, their second, third round pick. They have two third round picks. They gave up 96. I want to say 17 and 96. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. So they gave up their first and third and a previous first-round pick for Odell Beckham Jr., who unquestionably gives them a terrifying offense with Nick Chubb running the ball, Baker Mayfield throwing the ball to Odell Beckham outside along with Rashard Higgins or... uh, Jarvis Landry. Caldwell. Landry's a slot guy. Honestly... And David Njoku. And, and David Njoku. Honestly, I think the Browns should be looking to cut Jarvis Landry at their soonest convenience, but that's just me. 
uh, I think for what he's being paid and the rest of the talent on the team, he's there as a veteran and they won't cut him now because he's the only thing that's going to keep Odo Beckham Jr. Yeah. Same for his first year until things start going well. And, and I say until things start going well, because I think, yes, things are going to go well. They've got a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball. Who is the pass rusher they signed? Olivier Vernon. Olivier Vernon. Plus Sheldon Richardson. Oh, and Sheldon Richardson. What? I mean, Sheldon Richardson's a coup. And they might bring in Earl Thomas to, to shore up the safety spot. They've that got four a man first line, corner. That, oh, Larry Ogunjobi at D-tackle and Miles Garrett to go with yeah. Olivier Vernon. And geez, man. Sheldon and we Richardson. signed Bobby Hart to block one of them. Yeah. Well, let's not talk about the Bengals right now. Okay. All right. We can't, we can't in a bit. So point here is the Browns have a lot of talent on both sides of the football. They have an inexperienced coaching staff. So we'll see how they can change the culture. This is they got your... more experience in their coaching staff than the Bengals do. I'm not talking about the Bengals right now, Joe. I can't help it. The Bengals are going to be bad in 2019. Over mm-hmm. under five wins. I'll take the under right now. I Over mean, that could 10 wins for the Browns push. I'd say I'll, over. I'll take the over because I think they'll win 10 games. Okay. That's at, at least 10 games. I think even though, so, okay. So let's talk about the, the, the Ravens and the Steelers real quick, because they haven't really done anything except lose players. Yeah. So may, you know, maybe, maybe the Browns sweep the AFC North. Maybe, maybe they drop one or two games on the road. Ben Roethlisberger is still the quarterback in Pittsburgh, so I guess you can't really count them out. Yep, they'll still have a chance as long as they have a quarterback. So, the Browns are looking like they're going to win the division for the next year for sure, maybe two years, depending on what the other teams do. And so this is where, is anybody in the AFC North trying to compete right now? Is everybody saying like, okay, well, the Browns are doing their thing. They're loading up on, like, they're, they're doing what the Rams did. Essentially, you you mentioned yeah. on break, you mentioned the Chiefs. I would liken it to the Rams right now where they have that rookie quarterback mm-hmm. and they are just bringing in veterans left, right and center to beef up talent on that team. And they're bringing in premier free agents, Earl Thomas, the the trade for Odell Beckham, obviously Sheldon Richardson, like these are premium guys. There's going to be a question on the offensive line for, for them at right guard with Kevin Zeitler gone and without a first round pick. They'll need to address some of their holes later, and they're not going to ask those rookies probably to come in and start and and be serious contributors right away. But right. they don't have a first round pick, so you try to point to holes on the Browns right now. It's hard. It's right guard, maybe. It's it's and they drafted you know, Austin Corbett in round two last year. I think he's going to well, play right guard. Yeah, and who knows if that was a good pick? We'll find out. But I loved Corbett, by the way. So for me, I'm like, oh yeah, plug him right in. You're fine. So that's, you know, what what are what are the rest of the teams in the AFC North doing at this point? I did question that on Twitter, right? Does it seem like these other teams have kind of taken a step back? Look at who the Ravens have decided to let go, right? They it seems like they were the reports where they were in on the CJ Mosley yeah. sweepstakes, but they said money's million. getting right, money's getting too crazy, we're out of here. Which every team should have agreed on that. He got yeah. a lot of money. Uh but point being is they allowed it to even get that far. They could have probably got a deal done. It sounded like Mosley wanted to stay with the Ravens. Uh-huh. Honestly, I thought of the Whitworth story as soon as that. that I don't know if you read that, that Mosley went back to the Ravens of, I want to go. I want to come back here. You got to come close. Or, I mean, the Jets are offering me this insane deal. How do I turn it down, basically, type of thing. Um, so, 
they kind of dug their own hole with making those decisions, and maybe it was them completely making these decisions of let Suggs go, let let Mosley go. Uh, they've had others. John Brown has left them at, at wide receiver. So uh, you kind of wonder if the Ravens are taking a step back also and saying, well, we're going to try and semi-build around Lamar Jackson. The defense being good all these years really hasn't gotten us anywhere. Uh, Zadara Smith, also the other defensive lineman they lost, uh, went to the Packers, I want to say. Yep. Uh, so they've really hit the reset defensively with their Three of their four best defenders, five, Eric Weddle, five. Yeah, four of their five best defenders are gone off the strength of the team. So the Ravens feel like they've hit the, the soft reset. And then the Steelers swallowing the cap hit of Antonio Brown is huge for that team because, honestly, cap-wise, they they operate very similar to the Bengals, especially when it comes to outside free agents and guaranteed money. They, they're very similar, but they have the history to back it up, and I think that obviously helps. Uh, the, the Steelers aren't great. They're losing Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown in one offseason. Yeah, they didn't have Bell last year, but they're also getting like no compensation for him. I'm sure they'll get some, they'll get a compensatory, compensatory pick next year. But I don't feel the Steelers really know what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball, and it's been that way for a few years. They haven't drafted very well. They've drafted receivers, sure, but I think they could be very close to that cliff where if Big Ben has another year where it seems like he's declining because it definitely looked like that last year, they could just be completely out of this running. So I would say that the Steelers are still the number two team in this division, but they're not even close to where I feel the Browns potentially are. And then obviously we have the Bengals, which it seems like they're at the bottom, not really knowing what they're doing. So I wondered if the other three teams are looking at the Browns and kind of saying, you know what, you go ahead and and run for this window in the next two years or whatever it may be. And then you're going to be in a similar situation. If Mayfield flounders or if Mayfield needs a new contract in two years, uh, then you start making your cuts. Same way the Seahawks really loaded up their team and then had to dismantle it, and now they struggle to really be a top-tier team, even though they're really good. I think the Browns could be in that situation. Uh, and, and I know I, I may be getting ahead of myself completely. It's it's the damn Cleveland Browns. What do they ever want? But roster-wise, looking at it, they um, they look like they're in great shape. They have a lot of young guys, right? And they're going to have to prove it before anybody really takes them seriously on the national level. But on paper, that roster... And I've kind of been feeling this way for the last couple of years. They've been accumulating a lot of talent. They've been... Like, Sashi Brown. Yeah. Could John Dorsey have asked for a more perfect landing? The amount of picks, the amount of capital that they yep. had, the amount of rollover cap money. He could do literally anything he wanted. And he is doing exactly what he wants he's got his quarterback he hit on his quarterback and now he has 80 million dollars and they had infinity you know first round picks they got miles garrett they got rollover uh, cap too. crazy amounts of rollover well yeah i, I mentioned that they have 80 million dollars in cap space this year because they kept rolling over money yeah they're in a fantastic situation they're taking advantage and this isn't but we're not we're not trying to slobber over the browns here we're just no, you I hope when, the Browns move to Mexico City tomorrow. But right. the, 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 the the point here that we can take away as Bengals fans is they did this in two, three, maybe three years, right? They were bad for a really long time, but most of those players going back three years ago aren't going to be major contributors on this team, right? right? It's the last two years two of year players, thing. Yeah. and then they hit a quarterback. So now we have two years for the Bengals to hit that quarterback from Clemson and accumulate talent until then. And that's why I wonder... And people have asked this, and the amount of people that have asked me this in the last 24 to 48 hours, are the Bengals tanking? Does this look like they're tanking? 
When you no. sign players like this and give You're them money. You're giving them way too much credit if you think they're tanking. I know because they never have a plan, right? They never have any type of foresight or long-term vision. So they aren't tanking. But I tell you this much, they haven't gotten better. And they've signed guys that are going to only hamstring them more. I This is going to be as cl- – they're going to be in a situation – they're going to be bad next year based on this right now. We shouldn't expect a rookie class to come in and make an immediate impact. If anything, look at the last two classes and see and ask yourself who can take jumps to make this team better. But point being is – there's great potential. They're picking top six next season, and you need to make cho- you may need to make decisions based on that. And in that scenario, we got a question: Do you start selling off AJ Green to the highest bidder? It sounds like the Bills have been calling around about receivers. Do you, can you what can you get for Andy Dalton? What is it? And I know the Bengals don't think this way; they don't operate this way. But they're definitely not operating on the other end of the spectrum. And if they really wanted to put themselves in position to reclaim this when the, when the opportunity opens in a year or two, whenever they if they've drafted one this year or next year, I'm talking about a quarterback because I've definitely gotten to that point, Jake. If their free agent practices and their practices and in, in the way they go about acquiring veteran talent have not changed, and it's very clear in 48 hours it has not changed, and it's not changed for the better if it has, uh, the only way the Bengals will ever win anything is by lucking out on a franchise quarterback on a rookie deal. And And that's it. And even if they do. Would they push the envelope like the Browns do, right? Would they go and do everything you need to do? Prove it to me, and and I'll believe you. I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, I don't don't think they would. But to get them to that point, it starts – Step number one, I think, is getting that quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, we agree there. I mean, is it is it a guy next year? Is it a guy in two years? Who knows? There's going to be a lot of bad teams in the NFL. So even tanking is a risk, right? Like, yeah. you might not get the number one pick. Even if you try to get the number one pick, you might not get the number one pick. You got the, the Dolphins to contend with this year. Yeah. I was going to say the Bills missed the playoffs for 17 straight years. Yeah. Never picked number one. Never yeah. picked number one. So, I mean, they're definitely in purgatory right now. The purgatory has gotten worse. Uh, there was a little glimmer of 2015 that gave us some semblance of hope. There's a glimmer of four games in 2018 that said maybe Andy Dalton's changing. But at this point, it's, boy, it, I, I almost feel bad for Zach Taylor. And, and then I kind of stop myself when I, yeah. when I look at <laughs> – Jim Turner and Bobby Hart, and these are the guys they've decided they need to keep. And and any narrative I, that we have, I feel of, bad for Andy Dalton. I, I feel bad for I feel bad for AJ Green. Yeah, I mean there are some guys on this team that are talented guys that deserve better. I, I mean somebody somebody I noticed just gotten your mentions, Joe. Can we please admit it wasn't Marvin's fault? And we're kind of getting to that point, huh? Yeah, it, Some of he these has always like alluded. Things. He's always alluded to having one hand tied behind his back, you know. But his practices were so old, and he was so conservative on the field. That's why it was such a good fit, right? For so long. But yeah, I mean, it looks like this wasn't him. This is the way this team operates. And at this point, it's like, is this Duke Tobin, or or are the Blackburns doing more than we think they're doing? Is Duke Tobin actually the to- GM? Right. Are we just going on to blaming the next guy in Duke Tobin, or we just realize that this franchise is fucked up? So, you know, the best case scenario for the Bengals here is that 
They hit a home run in the draft. They they get a starting tackle in the first round, and Bobby Hart is a swing tackle somehow. And they get a starting linebacker in the second round who plays in nickel. And they find a faller in the third round who can step in and contribute somewhere. Tight end, tight linebacker, end, right. receiver, whatever it is. Corner, nickel corner we may need. Sure. And, and and Dalton continues to take those steps, and Zach Taylor's culture and Zach Taylor's messaging is exactly what we thought it might have been in that first press conference and not what we've thought it's been since the Jim Turner hiring. But, right. I mean, this that's count the ifs. That's a lot of things needing to fall right. And it could happen. Yes, could. I know. Because there's an optimist listening, listening right now. Yes, things could still get better. They could still – and they let go, let's say, Dark West and Art signed somewhere else. Everyone loses their mind. And the Bengals signed Jason Verrett instead. And Jason Verrett somehow stays healthy. Well, guess what? I'd be like, oh, that was a great signing right there. It was a great upgrade in the nickel spot. And I, honestly, that's something that I would love to happen. But there are ways – Right. My point is there are ways for them to make increment upgrades at different positions. There could be a guard still sitting there. Uh, and they sign him because they could use a veteran backup, and next thing you know, he beats out Redmond, and now they have a better guard. Or Westerman takes that step, and now he's a good guard. Point being is, yes, it's not completely um, over, but why we're feeling the way we are and why the tone of this podcast probably is the way it is and the way I think the fan base is, is that the Bengals definitely did not get better. They did not use this opportunity to get better where – 15, at least half the team, 16 teams definitely got better. And yeah, they overpaid in a lot of ways. Look at the Bills. They overpaid in almost every guy they signed now, seven or eight guys they've signed now. But they have gotten better at each one of those positions. So the point is, you may have to overpay. You may sign guys that don't look like superstars, but you can get better at a lot of positions just by bringing talent in. And the Bengals have failed to do that. On that note, everything is awesome at Paul Brown Stadium, especially if you ask the Blackburns. If you ask this podcast, you're going to have to prove a lot to us, Cincinnati Bengals, and we hope sincerely, against all odds, that you do. This has been the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. We hope we have better news for you tomorrow, and we hope you see you tomorrow. Have a good one, Bengals fans. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.